Hey, welcome to the third show. It's been a long time. I'm sorry. I apologize. What can I fucking do? I'm always working. Actually, this time it wasn't around because I didn't make anything to get us through vacation because uh, it's my fucking vacation. I'm not going to work my ass off before vacation. You people are all so sweet anyway. Uh, But I am working my ass off the week before the big tour. The the. Me and Brett named this tour, and I can't fucking say the name. The Hellfire something of something with uh, the, the the Trillbillies. With Brett and me and Brett, Street Fight Radio, and with the District Sentinel boy, Sam Sachs, who called into the call-in show this week. And I have Sam Knight on with me right now for an hour. What's up, Sam? Yo, what's up, Brian? How you doing? I'm great. How excited are you, man? We're leaving. We're 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 hitting the me and Brett are hitting the road Friday and you're hitting the road what Monday? Yeah, but you guys you get in Saturday night, right? Yes. Yes. I think we're going to kind of this is crazy. Like w- w- me and Brett are like trying to figure out what this thing w- we've been, you know, uh I I I think I asked you in January, right? Like would you be interested if we decided to put together a big package thing, would you be interested in coming? And you were like, yeah. And uh, <laughs> we have been thinking about this for now. We are in month eight and we still don't know what it looks like yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm just disappointed because I thought the original vision had uh, it w- was involving some sort of camping but I, there's I- never was going to be camping, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> <laughs> He did. The first thing he said was like, we should like camp one night. And I was like, I will never camp ever, especially on tour. Like these long ones, if I can get even a minute of comfort on one of these long ones, I'm taking it. I can't imagine camping at any point during one of these runs. Cause like for us, it kind of started out as a thing where like we only did one a month. We're like, I need to just do one show a month. I'm not away from my family. I can go do it and I can come home. But uh, it's impossible to make money doing it that way. (laughs) Yeah, we haven't done a live show for a while. The last time uh, we did a live show, uh, you know, sometimes they go well, sometimes they don't go well. And uh, so it's been a while for us, but we used to do them all the time at uh at a bar sort of up the street from where we record and those were those were really fun for a while but we stopped uh and then the bar was temporary temporarily closed down because uh well a, a dude was murdered right outside of it and they have this law in DC where if there's like a serious violent crime at your bar they shut you down uh automatically for like 48 hours and then and then for a while uh which i i I don't sympathize with business owners whatsoever but i feel like that's kind of bullshit i mean like (laughs) that person could have been murdered anywhere right Mm -hmm. yeah and it was outside anyway it's like what do you do about outside it spilled out it spilled out from Ah. (laughs) the bar itself so shit happens though two people get shit happens when people get together sometimes shit happens and you gotta you gotta think if you're a bar if you're running a bar you don't how do you control who comes into that bar other than like 
you can do certain aesthetic things and and, and uh, uh, raise prices on drinks. Uh, in Columbus, a very famous thing that you do is uh, basically look at whatever style uh, black people wear and then make a dress code that makes sure that they aren't allowed in there ever. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Be like, no hats, no sports teams or some shit. And it's like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's like, it's one no of the foo-foo shirts. I see where this is going. <laughs> we have a whole street where like the dress codes are just these enormous boards with 20 different. It looks like they're adding them all the time, you know? Yeah. But, um, but uh yeah we had some this tour has been crazy to book because it was like uh i think i don't remember what the original so the basically here's how the idea came about me and brett were driving out west and uh west coast tours involve more driving than i think a lot of people really think that they involve because it seems like everything's right next to each other so we booked it and we're like, this is going to be the easiest shit in the world. But like everything's six hours away from <laughs> the next thing. It's like, what the fuck? You know, uh, what do you mean? California, uh, LA, six hours away from San Francisco. They're in the same state. <laughs> <laughs> and we were talking and I was just like, we, we got to like, I mean, cause we've gotten to a point now where we've done so much that, uh, in we are going to do the West Coast one more time in November. We're going to do the, not one more time forever, but we're going to do the West Coast in November. Yeah. And then we're, we're getting off the road until April because we've hit, because we're doing Texas in um, October and we're doing uh, fucking like a little Midwest little guy there in, uh, at the end of August. So, like we leave two weeks after we get back from this one, <laughs> but, uh, Damn. but we're, so we're doing those and we're like, well, what do you even do? You know, like I want to always be kind of leveling up. So it was like, you know, we were doing one show at a time and it was like, uh, okay, well that's, you just can't make money that way because you pay so much to get there and you have one gate, one door, you know, yeah. like yeah. whatever they decide to pay you is how much money you make. And uh, usually it costs more to get there and it just doesn't work out. It's, it's a little better for me and Brett now because we're able to cut. We're able to be more uh, aggressive with the uh, owners of the bars. <laughs> but uh, We wanted to add people and you guys were the first. I, I knew I wanted you two. You two were like the, the two that like I was definitely going to add before anybody else like uh we we came out to uh columbus you know we 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 went to tree bar before they were dicks so hey they weren't dick here's they weren't total dicks i would just i would hook you up with a different place if you came here the next time yeah all they really did to us was book us between two bands you know have you ever performed where there was a band performing uh no I don't, I don't well, actually no. Yes, I have. We performed with the, uh, Alex Jonestown massacre in Richmond. They were, they were cool, but that was like that, that, that it wasn't like they wedged us between acts and, uh, like totally disrespected us or anything. 
Yeah, was it your show? Did were you like we want this band to play here? It was the uh, DSA chapter in Richmond. They were putting together a benefit for their brake light clinic. And, um, you know, Richmond is basically like Southern Baltimore. It's, it's not very far from DC in, in that regard. So we were just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's, uh, let's go down. And we had, we had a great time in Richmond. And, um, but the, the band situation was, uh, yeah, there were, there was no problem there. Like we knew the bands were performing and the, uh, order of who was going when was, it was never, there was never any like question about that. And I don't know, it, but I could see how it, it would be, it could be like shitty if, if people who manage, who are managing it are not like, you know, attentive to, I, I just think that like, maybe I, th- I think that maybe people who run bars see the performers as, as widgets and it's like, well, I'll, I'll cause we asked that we, what happened with the tree bar was we asked them if they had that day va- available because yeah. there was a, uh, there, there is that time between Christmas and new years. And, uh, if you live in a city like mine, uh, there's a bunch of people here that aren't normally here for for that week, if that makes sense. You know, probably in DC it's different. Everybody leaves, you know. <laughs> but but yeah, yeah. In, in Columbus, it's people <laughs> coming home that moved away to like different cities. So we're like, well, if you do, you guys have this date open? If you have this date open, uh, me and Brett would like to do like a little party, a, like a little thing. We we got our friend Lindsay in town and uh drew we had just met drew toothpaste and 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 kind of started getting along with him and we were like we we have them and we'd like to throw a little party and the guy had had us from your show the show we did we did our own 420 show and then we did the show with you guys that sold really well and uh i think on the strength of those two shows there was no way he was turning us down it, it was mm. just never like because he was turning people away at both of those shows he th- that people didn't even fit in the room and uh he was like yeah yeah it's open it's open and we get there there's a band setting up and uh they're they play or, or they're about to play and they say so what like uh you guys like do some little podcast thing here and that annoyed the shit out of me because like i the whole bar was full of our people <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's i i don't like to be like egotistical but it's like when when you fill a place when the place is full and they're there to see you and then somebody's treating you like your thing is the little thing it's like buddy your band is the little thing like you're yeah. the, you're doing a little band thing you're having a little band practice it sounds very <laughs> fun <laughs> but then they, they just it was kind of oh, like, what are you a cover band <laughs> <laughs> well they and then they were like uh I don't want you to move any of the mics, but it was me and Brett and Lindsay and drew. There were four mics that needed to be used. And there were only like kind of two in the front. And I was like, so you want one of us to stand behind the drum set? Like, is that, it's not happening. So we moved the mics and then they kind of gave a shit about, you know, don't go over an hour, but it was like, once I'm up here, what are you going to fucking do? You know, like I didn't worry about that, but it, it just, uh, 
it just irritated me. But the, but really, we did you, the thing you did with the brake light clinic. We actually did one of those here too. Yeah, uh, they were like, "Hey, can you and Brett come and MC this uh, brake light clinic?" And it was like four punk bands, and we yeah. did it. And at the end of that night, we said, "We're never, we're never working with musicians again. It's just never gonna <laughs> fucking happen." Because nobody fucking comes to a bar to watch punk rock and wants to stand and listen to two guys talk. I don't care what two guys they are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I try to put myself in the position of the audience a lot of time. And if you were at a concert and you were trying to have fun, would you want, would you want to fucking have two guys come up there and talk at you? Probably not. No, I think for like the Richmond thing, I think it worked. Cause like, they were a local act. So a lot of people were like attentive to us and we went first and then it was like the music. So it That's was like, the way to do it. It, it, it was us talking. And then, and then that was cool. Cause we obviously like went out to the car and hot box and came back in and just rocked out to these bands. And that was a lot of fun. Like when the podcasters go first and then like join whatever crowd there is like that. I think that's the way it's that's the way to do it. I had a great time uh, doing doing that show in Richmond. I would do that again, like in a second, for sure. But I could see how it, if yeah, I mean, like if I were going to see a like a punk band, and then it's like who's the opening act? Like these two dudes on stage talking. I could see how that <laughs> how that could well, go back. The most punishing part of it was that we came up between every band. <laughs> Oh, so they wanted you to be like emceeing sort of thing. Like you come up, you do a little joke or something. And I don't know. It works though. Here's what, here's the thing. I'll, 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 you're not going to experience this on this tour, fortunately, but uh, well, no, you will experience this later though. This is something <laughs> I have learned now after two years on the road. It doesn't fucking matter how many large crowds you draw you will like get fucked at some point and like so me and brett uh at the beginning of the year in april oh, actually i'll even start it before that so that show that break light clinic was right after a midwest tour right that we had just done that had just we'd made good money it was the first tour we ever made money off of and it was like kind of our first tour. We made like really good money off the tour. Uh, all the shows sold well. Uh, yeah. The crowds were very big and it was exciting. And it, it's like, oh man, I really feel like I'm part of something, you know? Yeah. And then two days after we got home, we went and did this gig with the DSA and none of our people showed up. N none of our listeners showed up. And uh, when we would go up there and talk, nobody would get closer than like 10 feet away from us. They would just kind of stand back and talk and not really listen. And we had to do that four separate times during the night where it got to the point where like the, the second time or third time I was like, the guy came up and was like, Hey, you guys are about to go up. And we're like, do you really want us to go up? Like, does, is, does this <laughs> 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 it was just, and he was like, well, I need you to give away these prizes <laughs> and then but but the same thing happened this year was we did this uh northeast tour where we did really great it sold like 350 tickets in new york we, we just 
we had all these really big big houses it, it feels like everything's on the up and up and then we go down to the uh southwest and uh we did a show in las vegas mm, and, yeah. and eight people showed up damn Every, everyone was going to see the Elvis impersonator instead, huh? I guess somebody said that people just don't go to things in Vegas. Like the people that live in Vegas, they just don't go to stuff, which makes perfect fucking sense to me for some reason. Have you ever been there? No, but I, I, I assume a, it's very like going out to stuff is generally associated with like tourist shit and B a lot of them probably work in the service industry. So they'd probably just like rather just fucking order a pizza and, and drink beer at home, which is perfectly understandable. Yeah. That's a rough place. Vegas. It, it, yeah. Like not just because the show was bad, but we spent four days there. I should have done Reno should have hit Reno. I, people have said that. I mean, I, I don't I, I don't think the gambling places are for me. I, I think uh the two places I've gone to on on tours now that I haven't liked the most the whole time are Vegas and New Orleans. So maybe there's I'm just a type of person, you know, <laughs> like that doesn't go well in places like that. Well, I know there I mean like parts of New Orleans are obviously very touristy and other parts are more like you know like actual whatever like they feel like people live there and they're not like tourists throwing up outside of their house you know every other night or whatever but i i mean vegas it's hard for me to conceptualize <laughs> it's a very fucking weird place man because like i like the bit here's something that like is a big it was a big weird thing to me is uh it is that strip is made for tourists and uh and you know how um in most major cities uh, in order to they'll sometimes have a flight of steps that you have to walk up and you sort of walk across a bridge and then down a flight of steps to get to the other side of the uh freeway or a road or something like that, so it doesn't stop traffic. You know what I'm talking about? Sort of, yeah. yeah. Like just walking bridges, basically. Somewhere um, to walk for pedestrians. Yes, in Vegas, they have escalators out, like in the street, so people don't even have to walk up the steps. That's fucked you know? up. I, I don't know if that's fucked up, but it's just really hard for me to wrap my head around. <laughs> there's escalators out on, there's public escalators on the streets for people to get to the other side of the streets. They also have legal weed there, but uh, it's, uh, it, it's so expensive. $35 a joint. Yeah. So it's just that's, a, that's really a lot bad place. That's, yeah. That's, Jesus Christ, you have to like hit the roulette table just to afford a, a joint. Which I ended up getting addicted to while I got <laughs> addicted to roulette while I was actually in Las Vegas. That's the other problem. I know you're a gambler. Just yeah. don't go there, Sam, because it's bad for you. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm pretty cool with just like you know, going to New Jersey and 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 playing playing the uh the sports book, the online sports book, because like I mean, I, I mostly like sports gambling anyway. And, uh, 
So I, I don't really need like flashing lights and whatever, just as long as I'm able to look at my phone and, 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 you know, bet on whatever soccer usually, uh, you know, then I'm, then I'm good. How, how did you get in? How did you get into sports gambling? I don't, I don't know. Is this recent? Well, so like I spent one summer in the UK in London and like there are bookies on basically every corner. And, uh, I like my friend I was staying with and I won a bet. The, the odds were, uh, 150 to one. And it was basically correct. Uh, uh, the first score of the game and the correct score, uh, called a score cast bet. And, and we would, we would spread bet on those. So like, We'd put 50p on like five or 10 different ones and uh, we hit one and we won a lot of money. And I was just like, fuck yeah, this rules. See, it's weird because what happened with me with roulette was that like I put $20 in the machine. I said, I got $80. Okay, I'm, I'm going to, uh, no, I, I put aside $100 for when we're in Vegas of my own money. Uh, Patreon hit as soon as we got there. So I, w- I, was, I had just gotten paid and I, I had $100 and uh, I kept winning yeah. over and over again. I was up $180 at one point yeah. and uh, I, I felt so good. When I left, I ended up being up 80 and yeah. I came home and I wanted to show my wife, like, dude, you should see how easy gambling is. So we went to the casino in Columbus. I lost every penny in like 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's how they get you. Like when, when you're winning, you feel like, you know, it's basically printing money. And uh, when you lose, you're just like, well, you, you know, you got to pay to play. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I think I think it's a fun hobby as 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 long as uh, as as long as you got it under control. You never. You do you ever? Uh, have you ever tried? Because here, here, I'll say this. So uh, I'm buying these concert tickets that are like nine hundred bucks. It, it's for three people. It's a festival. It's for my whole family to go. And uh, it's I have them on layaway, and they take like two hundred and fifty dollars out every month for the next three months to, mm. to for me to get these these festival tickets, right? And uh, it's coming out soon. Uh, I have money in the bank, but I don't have a lot, you know. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, I'm I'm at that point where it's like, oh boy, I'd like to have more so I can be irresponsible. I'm, I'm like, I have the amount of money I need to live until we get paid again, but I would love to be more irresponsible with it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I feel that. I mean, like, I, yeah, that, that, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so last night I was like, so first of all, yesterday I called the ticket people. I was like, Hey, could you withdraw this money on August 1st instead of tomorrow, Tuesday? And the guy's <laughs> like, uh, no, we're uh, no, we're going to take it out tomorrow. If the money's not there, we'll try it again every day until 10 Jesus. days out. And then we'll cancel your tickets. I was like, so there's not like a thing, a drop down menu where you could just, 
or, or a box where you could just be like, take it out on August 1st instead of tomorrow. And he said, no. And I hung up and uh, I was out walking and, and I, I get about halfway home and I'm like, I could, re I could stop at the casino. Yeah. I, I could take $20 out and stop at the casino on the way home from doing street fight. And maybe I could get us up another hundred, two hundred dollars so we could be irresponsible again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't do it. I, I actually didn't do it. I, I was able to stop it, but it, it, it gambling became a solution in my mind. Have you, have you had that kind of thing ever happen? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> 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 I, I, I won't push you any harder. On that. No, no, no. I, no, I, because I, I, like I was, me and uh, other Sam were talking about it, and like he was making fun of my strategy. Where I'm like, look, if you have a spread of parlays, like you know, you're bound to hit one, and uh, like who cares if you sink like you know, like uh, sixty dollars on parlays, like if you only win $90, like think of it this way, like that's, that would be a rate of return on an investment that like you would, you would be outperforming the market by, by a fair amount, <laughs> you know? And, he, and he's just like, listen to yourself. <laughs> I agree with you. I, I have to be Sam Knight's side on this in that. Like, I, I don't think I, the only problem with the gambling like the only problem with sports gambling that I can see in comparison to the stock market and shit is that like nobody that's sports gambling is putting it in a savings account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's the thing. And like, it only sort of works as a strategy if, if it's like, if it is your savings and you're like trying to fucking grow it, but also like Jesus Christ, are you really going to like take your savings and, and bet it on like, you know, the Buffalo Bills, like, best of luck to you. But but what is the difference? I, I, I really do. I'm serious when I say, like, what is the difference between betting it on that and, like, uh, uh, Apple? Other than Apple's, I guess Apple's maybe a sure bet. But, I mean, even that isn't a sure bet. You know, people, no, people, yeah. people invest in businesses that close all the time. And, and it does. I just finished reading this book about con men. Yeah. And uh, the stock market, it, it, it basically the way they explained it was the stock market would have been considered like, I'm, I'm trying to think of the, 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 the words they used about the stock market were Ponzi speculation. Scheme? Well, speculation. yes. Well, speculation was considered wrong, like immoral thing to do. You, you know what I mean? And, and when, when the United States first, started or, or when it was the colonies and, and in the early days of, of the United States history, they were like, speculation is immoral. You don't do it. It's, it's wrong. It, like Ben Franklin and all those founding fathers guys wrote a whole bunch of shit about how speculation's wrong. And then just over the years, over the years, uh, they were able to kind of change change people's opinions on speculate because because the way she explained it is people were gambling the whole time and, yeah. and people didn't really have a moral issue with gambling in the early days they they kind of felt like uh gambling was fine they used gambling to to pave roads like a lot of the infrastructure was put together by lotteries and gambling in the early days and uh people seemed 
they said that people are were were like okay with it, but then somehow we were able to be convinced that that speculation is okay, but gambling is bad and wrong. Yeah, I mean that that's a it's pretty wild if you think about it, especially because like, and, and I've I've made this joke that like. That that sports gambling is is the only ethical form of investing your money because if if you're speculating whether just pure speculation or you just like whatever I'm going to buy this stock and hope the price rises like vaguely, um, like part of the way you get your highest rate of return as possible is if like other people suffer if wages are cut, if environmental uh, regulations aren't followed, et cetera, et cetera. Like no one, no third part, there are very few negative externalities of you blowing your money on the fucking LA Clippers, you know, (laughs) other than than you blowing your money. But like in, in, in the other, you know, in, in actual financial markets, like, the 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 desire for a high rate of return drives some really dark shit. All the dark shit. All the worst. All stuff. the dark shit. Right. Yeah. I mean, all the worst stuff is because they're responsible. That well, they claim is they're responsible to their shareholders. You know, I exactly uh, like a good example is uh, I always use wrestling because it's so easy. But WWE being a publicly traded company that uh, does business in Saudi Arabia, even though a number of their fans have, have they have lost subscribers to, to their subscription service when they can't, they don't even say the word Saudi Arabia on the show anymore. When they're doing the shows there, they, they name them something else and they don't say where they're taking place. Damn. And, and uh, people, because when they would say Saudi Arabia on the TV show, people would boo. They they would like actually boo. They would be like, oh, in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, people would boo. And there was just like this whole bunch of outrage about it after, especially after the first, the first one they did, people were pissed. But then the next one was after the Khashoggi killing, right? Yeah. 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 And it ended up being on uh John Oliver and shit like that. And, uh, most of the arguments I saw for them doing it was like they have a responsibility to their shareholders and this is a massive amount of money that they're getting. And if they turned it down, they would be doing wrong to their shareholders. And I'm like, I mean, oh, so I, th- I think that's like that's also like a fucking just a giant excuse. It's not like anyone's necessarily going to sue them because you could also argue that hey like i am protecting my shareholders long-term interests by uh refusing to do business with someone who offers such a clear reputational risk so it i think it's it's honestly just like it's like a it's like a capitalist security blanket it's like well oh no like put your put your pitchforks down we we had to do it for the shareholders it's like now you're you're just you're you're fucking your avaricious pieces of shit is really what it comes down to and uh i mean theoretically yeah i guess there could be like more likely to be a hostile takeover if you're not trying to get all all the money possible but 
you know, like, fuck you. You just wanted to get your palms greased. Right. Well, and, and after the Khashoggi thing, because now like uh, you see a bunch of people said they were going to stop doing business with them and then uh, reeled that back a little bit about three weeks after the announcement. I can't remember. There was a Hollywood agency that said that that had been doing a bunch of business with the Saudis and they were like, well, oh, we're done. We're fucking done. And then. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. like a couple weeks later, I read somewhere that they were like, well, we can't actually be done. We have contracts and shit with. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure, you know, the nature of these things too is like in the next recession, like I'm sure Saudi financing will be a lot harder for some of these people to turn down. And um, like, we just got to overthrow this capitalism shit. This, this is, or this is going to keep happening. <laughs> I agree. It is, but it is like people are starting to notice that kind of, like I, I found it heartening, I guess that, uh, of all people, wrestling fans were outraged about them doing business with Saudi Arabia and, uh, liberals yeah. are obviously going to freak out anytime somebody does business with Russia, right? Like they're not going to allow that to happen. Yeah. And, uh, it just it, it they they I mean face app isn't face app a Russian app? Uh, that's what people have been saying. <laughs> they're because <free>, <laughs> we're using that. They're gonna ban vodka. They're gonna start calling vodka like freedom juice or something like that. <laughs> Idaho potato juice or something. <laughs> but it is it is like uh, you're right. Like the only way is to overthrow all of the capitalism because it that you you can like trace every single little uh, all of these problems to that like saudi arabia wouldn't be able to do the things that they do if they didn't just have a fucking ton of money that they can because anything you can do anything you want if you just have all the money yeah yeah i mean it's it's another it's another reason for a green new deal too, because like it, I mean, it's not just Saudi Arabia, like it's a well-known phenomenon called the, the natural resource curse where a country, uh, you know, develops or uh, not even a country, an area you could, you, the trillbillies will tell you about the natural resource curse in, in Appalachia. I'm sure it basically just, there's a bunch of fucking shit in the ground that's worth a lot of money uh, and it empowers some very awful people. And that just happens time and time again uh, under, under capitalism. Yeah. And they, they roll through and they leave everything in shambles when, when they're done. I, 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 I went down to Kentucky with them and uh, like there, you can, we went down to Kentucky to visit with them and uh, they, they talked a lot about some of the mountains and stuff like, and, and, and was it West Virginia where they just cut the top off of the fucking things? Yeah. The mountaintop there? mining. Yeah. Yeah. I think they did of- it in Kentucky too, but uh, the, they definitely, yeah, they just blow, they blow off the fucking top of a mountain because labor is too, it, it, it would be, more it, it's more cost efficient and boom just no more fucking mountain that's it well that's uh, me and brad had a had a conversation on a show recently about uh it, it might not even be me and brad it might have been on a bonus show but uh brett knew a guy uh knew a guy from 
an extended kind of family that that was a fracker, right? Like he 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 worked on the he went to whatever school it was to learn how to work the fracking machine or whatever it is. And he was make. I was me and Tom actually talked about this. He was you know making ninety thousand dollars a year, and uh, it's like I can't. How do you turn that down? I've said that about the police too. I was like, you know, you hear the police are making like ninety thousand dollars a year. No wonder fucking people are willing to do the evil jobs. You know, the evil jobs pay a whole bunch of fucking money and get your hands dirty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it it's pretty enticing. Like, if, if you think about it, like, just just going off to work on an oil rig for a while or trying to, I, it's obviously very hard work. I don't think I could... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to think I could do it, but Jesus Christ, like, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to have any uh, delusions about my own physical capabilities or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 uh, I might be able to because I roofed. Yeah, um, I, I just being a roofer means you can do any of the other shitty jobs. Did you uh, did, did you read that that article about? Uh, working at fast food places, the Emily, uh, uh, she just called our show last night and I'm not going to get her name right. You know, I, uh, I didn't read her article, but I listened to her call in and I also listened to her on the trailbillies. So I also, uh, cannot for the life of me, remember her last name, but I know, I know, exa- <laughs> I know what you're talking about. But that's it's something, it's something Germanic, isn't it? her last name? Like something? Grundelberger is yeah, what. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of E's in you. Sorry, Emily. No offense. It's it's a fine last name. I would just feel so good. It would feel so good to me if if liberals would like actually read that book. You know, I I know that I am never going to talk liberals into listening to Street Fight or the Street Fight Call In Show. You know, but I, I, the dream for me is for people to understand what low wage work is and how fucking hard it is. You and know, that, that interview was, uh, it, it dug up some, some memories of mine from like working the service industry and like some of the more awful moments, like this guy came into the pizza place, like in that little gray area between like closing and like fully closed, you know, when the manager's just, basically trying to sell all the shit they have, you know, selling pizza by the slice. And this guy like ordered a beer and I wasn't sure if we should serve him or not because I was trying to get the fuck out of there. And my manager wasn't really giving me a clear answer. And basically this guy just like came up uh, and like smashed a ceramic plate on the uh, point of sale, like where I was. Jesus. And like, was like giving me shit about the beer And I remember thinking, I remember looking at like all these glasses, like behind the counter and thinking like, why shouldn't I just like pick up one after the other and fucking just glass you in the face right now? Yeah. And and like, obviously I didn't do that because there's like the whole fight, fighter, the fight or fight thing. And, you know, it was, it was more, I just sort of like froze up and was just like, I can't believe my manager just like totally threw me under the bus like that. And I think he gave him a beer afterward too. And was like, sorry about that. Yeah. 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 Um, Which was, uh, anyway, sorry. I was just rambling there. 
No, I mean, I, 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 the thing I was talking about yesterday on the show was the that's unacceptable thing. Like there are a lot of cuss. I, I, it, it, it is a type of dude that comes. Yeah. In, in, I, well, I guess it's that the white lady with the "Can I see your manager hairdo?" Too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like those are the two types of people that do it. But there are a lot of people that like. I guess maybe they learn don't take no for an answer, yeah. you know, but like sometimes the answer is fucking no. And yeah. there's nothing that the person behind the counter can do about it. So the answer I, is just no. I have thought about like, and I guess uh, since this sort of crossed my mind, I, it, I, I haven't really had a chance to do it or that, or I'm just like more of a coward than I'd like to think I am. But I would really like to encourage people like if you're out at a restaurant and you hear like someone giving shit to the staff, like if you're feeling courageous enough, go up to that person and be like, listen, they can't tell you to fuck off because they're on the clock and their job depends on it. I can. I think you're a fucking piece of shit and just start like getting in their face and seeing how they feel it. Maybe not the best idea. You might get killed, but I don't know. I feel like if we had a culture of people who were just like, you know, like the good Samaritan customers who, who just like start yelling at people who yell at staff, then maybe it would become less socially acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've actually, I, 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 I wish that you could, cause I've talked about uh, going to restaurants where the, the the employees treat you like a person, where they get to wear their own clothes and they yeah. get to treat you like a person and it's not a uniform. That is kind of my favorite kind of place to go and eat, you know, <laughs> or, yeah. or, or, or my favorite place to be a store where you go in and the person behind the counter looks comfortable and they're wearing their own clothes. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess if they are dusting or something, it's not a big deal. Like, I don't understand why more people don't want them to be comfortable. Like they don't want to come into a store and have people be comfortable. They don't want to have, because I know when I worked at the grocery store, when you were a bagger and a cashier, you were going right next to each other, your coworkers, and you weren't allowed to talk to each other. And that was so depressing to me. And that was a union job. We, yeah. and, and, and one of the things Emily said that really fucked me up, that like really, that really bummed me out the most was when she talked about Amazon and she was talking about those warehouses that uh, I think we all agree, it, the organizing uh, like I think that the two places that organizing needs to happen more than anything is those Amazon warehouses and fast food restaurants and big, I guess three big box stores. That's where organizing is most important. That's where all this stuff needs to happen. And the way that she said that it's specifically designed so you don't run into other people or see other people inside the place is, mm. is really bothersome to me. I, I, I just, it's one of those things where it's like, how do you, how do you build solidarity in a place like that? Uh, we've had a number of callers call into the call-in show and say they want to go salt at Amazon. And I'm like, you know, good luck. And I, I've never heard back yeah. from another one, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I certainly want people to try to salt Amazon, but yeah, good luck. 
Yeah. Well, salting is so cool. And I have seen it work. Uh, I know a buddy of mine that I uh, do a show with uh, once a month that is a real sweet dude that I might be performing live with very soon. Uh, in the next few months, uh, he claims he didn't salt, but he was very successful at getting a job. And now there's a union there. It's <laughs> 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 the best way I can describe it. <laughs> i think you know what i'm talking about right yeah yeah brace right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he has a podcast out by the way brace just launched a podcast and he will not send me the name of it so i can't hype it for you but uh ah, bummer you hear it first here there might brace and brian might open for street fight at in oakland this year and in november open for yourself oh trust me, i'm doing it four times on that tour <laughs> i'm opening for street fighter <clears throat> Because I, Sam, here's why. <laughs> we can get back to the live talk discussion. Here's why. I hate being at the fucking bar. I hate it, hate it, hate it. Yeah. Unless I'm standing on stage and everybody's looking at me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm get, well. Guess what? I'm I'm gonna be working the, the a lot of the the. I'll be at the merch table. My my lovely girlfriend Martha's coming along she's gonna work the merch table and uh i'll be there with her some of the time and uh i'm a little terrified <laughs> uh it's great they're no, all great. they're all great now here's here's what i'm gonna tell you and i'm gonna tell this to martha too and uh all the mean and bad fans probably are fans of trillbillies or district sentinel radio not like street bike fans is what my guess would be just, just throwing it out there. <laughs> so, hey. I got nothing. Anyway, what were you saying? I'm, I'm sort of worried now. Uh, I told a story on the show this week about a guy that robbed me in the bathroom. Oh uh, yeah. And now Sam Sachs has made fun of me for it, and Brett's still making fun of me for it, and I'm getting scared that everybody's going to start making fun of me for it now. I mean it. <laughs> First of all, it was just two dollars, right? It was. It was only two dollars, and but it was. I don't know. I always. I. Like th I still think about it to this day. Sometimes you get robbed in a way that's just so funny. They're like, "What can you do?" Like, I remember trying to buy weed in Montreal, and it was obviously like just a bunch of leaves bagged up, and the oh. guy started biking away before I could even look at the bag, and I was like, I just sort of like shrugged my shoulders, like, "What? What can you do?" Dude, I knew this guy that's super square, right? Like, he's currently now a Blue Lives Matter guy, right? Posts about it all. He's actually in the newspaper fighting so that his uh, son can carry a Blue Lives Matter flag out onto the football field when they run out with the school flag and the American flag in their hand. They want to awesome. add an extra flag. <laughs> cool. Isn't that like, and the coach said no. The coach was like, nah, you know what? We got two flags, you know? Yeah. How many flags do we need? <laughs> but but they but these Blue Lives Matter people don't care. They will just take offense to every yeah. little fucking thing. But uh this dude was like, Hey man, uh a guy at work told me he could get me all the drugs I ever wanted. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. He's like, You don't need any fucking drugs, man. You just get a hold of me. I was like, all right. And uh, it was when I was fucking popping pills a lot. It was before I went to rehab for uh, painkillers, right? Yeah. 
And I was like, uh, call, called my dude and I was like, Hey man, you know, that dude that said he could get you any drugs, man. Hey, can you, can you, uh, you go over there and, and grab me some, uh, 20 of them. And then I gave the guy $200 to yeah. run over and grab me 20, uh, Vicodin. Uh, no, what was it? Percocet tens is what he said they were, which was a fucking incredible deal. Yeah. $2 for Percocet tens. And, uh, he brought the thing back to me and he handed it to me and it was fucking so obviously Tylenol. (laughs) (laughs) It was so, I looked at it and he handed it to me and I said, this is fucking Tylenol, dude. You just bought me fucking Tylenol. He went back and got my money back, but that's that, that getting robbed, like getting ripped off for drugs is possibly the worst the worst thing in the world. I do like that the guy took off for you, though. He just got on his bike and rode <laughs> off as fast as he could. <laughs> and then me and my buddy were like, fuck, we got to go back to the ATM. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, have you been robbed other times? Like, have you had, like, any any rough ones? Or, or kind of, have you been pretty lucky? Um, In 2012, I was mugged once uh, walking home uh, from a bar and yeah, these, these two dudes just came out of nowhere and one popped me in the face. Uh, well punched me in the face. I don't want anyone to think I was shot in the face. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He punched me in the face and, uh, I, I sort of stumbled backwards and, and was on the ground and he took my wallet and then, then left, you know, and that was it. But yeah, I, I I mean it's like whatever it kind of sucks, but it it I think it's funny because like you know a lot of right wing people are like oh like uh, like a, a a liberal will get mugged by reality and then become a conservative and it's like buddy you're talking to a certified crime victim here and I am like more left wing now than I was. <laughs> I, I, dude, I think being a victim of crime in, in the 10 minutes after it happened to me, after the last time I was robbed back in back at the, the, the time where the guy pulled the gun and I broke my wrist and stuff. And in the 10 minutes after that, I was probably not my best person. Maybe for six months after that, I was maybe not my best version of myself, you know, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but uh, I think I do credit that with about a year later sort of moving me around, making me kind of come around the other way because I just, I started, I I, I guess like so uh, conserve the difference between I think conservatives and people like us is they just never think about why things like that happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think they're like uh, it, it's something about their addiction to like victimhood to the point where they're like, you know, they don't they don't think of the fact that they've walked by millions of people in their life who haven't, you know, punched them in the face and taken their wallet, and they just fixate on on the one thing. And to be fair, it's it's like you know, it's pretty traumatic. Like I was not my best self those few days after, and I was like, I was. Just, definitely like emotionally shaken. I was like, not super thrilled about like walking outside afterward, but like it sucks. And, and, and like, I don't know if, if, if you have healthy um, things in your life, 
you can process it better and, and, and come out hopefully a better person. But I think it's like, there, there's just such a right wing fucking addiction to victimhood. <laughs> right. I mean, my father-in-law, I, I, I don't think I've told this on the show, but like my father-in-law just recently went to DC and uh, it was for one of those Rolling Thunder veteran get-togethers. Oh, <laughs> yes, the corniest shit in the world. I know. But it's he, so annoying. You just hear the fucking... <laughs> and it's like all you can hear for a while. It's like, we get it, dude. You lost the war. Like, how are you so proud of fucking losing a war? Like, they only do. Americans would lose a war and have a fucking parade about it. They did Those motorcycles... Uh, me and the kid and... Me and my wife and kid were walking down the street the other day, and uh, and the the main street, the high street, the main road that comes through Columbus. We were walking down the street, just people watching and getting ice cream and shit. And uh, there was traffic because it's the main road in the city, and uh, there were two guys on those fucking hogs next to us the whole way, sitting in traffic. And I was like, just. These should be illegal. Just make them illegal. I hate these things because they're annoying to me. Like, yeah, yeah. No, but but he went to this Rolling Thunder thing, right? Uh, it was a surprise for him. It was supposed to be like, hey, but hey, uh, uh, dad. It was one of his daughters, not my wife, but one of their other daughters. Hey, dad, uh, we're going to this like big thing for veterans. And uh, we're going to go see the wall. There's like a reception and you know, we're going to do all this bullshit veteran stuff. And uh, he was pissed because he couldn't take his gun with him. Like that, <laughs> He was like, oh, well, fucking I got to go to Washington, D.C. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. It's going to be fun. But they won't let me take my gun with me. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude, what do you need your gun for? You know? Yeah. I argued with them the whole because I had just gotten back from my f- second maybe time in New York and and was just like uh, I I had said something to him about going to, to that I had been in Brooklyn I did like I just where I think he said like where were his wife really wants to go to New York right yeah and uh, me and the wife and I took my wife and kid with me the second time we went. And we were kind of, t- they were talking about, oh, it was so fun. You know, we spent most of the time in Brooklyn. We have friends that live there and, and you know, we know a lot of people there and, and uh, there's so much cool stuff there. It's very, very cool part of the, very cool part of the city. And uh, he was like, uh, you're not getting me there unless I got a gun because there's no way I'm going to a place like that without a gun. I can't believe you would take your family there. And I'm like, what do you think is going on? That's uh, that, that's some real dark shit. I mean, what they think the, I think the thing that gets to me is that like a dude like you uh, or me, even me, right? Like, I'm not afraid. I'm never afraid in Brooklyn and I'm never afraid in DC and the parts of DC that he was spending his time. Is there any reason to be afraid? No, obviously not. I mean, like there are rough parts of town that I think, you know, like whatever, but no, absolutely not. He was going to like, you know, the fucking national mall. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
And they just want to have their gun everywhere. I mean, and that's, that's the thing they always think about with Chicago. It's like all these fucking, you know, all these shootings uh, because you're not allowed to have a gun. And it's like, well, there's shootings happening. So people obviously have fucking guns there. People obviously have guns. I mean, it, it, it's also like, you know, it's it's also not like Illinois is just allowed to like fucking stop all the guns flowing in from Indiana that it's like right near Chicago. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I mean like, but, but I, that, that aside, it's like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's like, I I feel like the only case, and this is uh, maybe changing gears a little bit, but like the only, um, like the only reason I think of when people say like leftists should buy guns, the only thing like the only downside to that I see is like, well, more mean generally just means more people uh, getting hurt, like self harming too and shit like that. And uh, it's it's just weird that I don't know. It's just I don't yeah. fucking know. Yeah, I, well, I'm with you. I I don't I I I have like a really conflicted view about guns because the people who say more leftists needs guns uh i guess it's probably right you know what i like in in that yeah. your bad guys have guns yeah i guess is, is I, feel, the, I feel like a, a better version of that argument is like well i guess leftists should also like be joining the united states air force because like you know, at the end of the day, you can get all the AK-47s you want, but if if, <laughs> if the government has like F-22s and shit and is dropping like laser-guided bombs on you, well, maybe we need to get some leftists flying those planes too. <laughs> right. Well, hey, I, I have a I have a solution for. But this obviously, plan. wait, wait, wait. Before I get canceled, I just want to say that's cool. obviously a terrible idea because you would be sent to bomb poor countries like, <laughs> and it would not be worth it to just wait for an offhand chance that we're in some sort of like Spanish civil war type situation. So do not join the U S air force. You will go and bomb a lot of kids and, and, and it, it's not worth it. It's bad. I, I actually have the real idea. The, the, this is the idea right here. Yeah, leftists should steal the guns from the conservatives. <laughs> <laughs> that means we have them all, and they don't have any. And boom, you got yourself like a nice little situation. But gun control is a really weird thing to me because, like, uh, my way of thinking about it, I think, is very childish. In that, like, I just want a world where, like, we don't need them. You know, yeah. where where people don't need them, but I I don't know if that's a realistic world that that can actually exist. You know, I mean, it always the idea that like I mean, there are some like libertarians who are like, oh, good luck banning guns, but I mean, like you know, you need complicated industrial processes to put them together. You know, it's not like it's not like <laughs> marijuana, which will cannabis whatever which will just grow in the right place grow anywhere really uh if if you just fucking plant it i mean i guess there are people who say you can 3d print guns now but uh, you know i feel like at this point like good luck trying to to kill someone with the 3d printed gun i feel like that shit's just gonna go off in your own face (laughs) yeah 
And and you gotta have a you. I mean, you know, you're right. You need an entire factory to make a gun. So no. if it, it is, it is actually. You're exactly right about that. Um. So before we finish up here, because it is late, I made Sam stay up because some for some reason, I look at Sam Knight as the biggest party animal ever. But he's a go to bed early guy. So just let I mean, the listeners know that. Yeah, I I mean I I will I, I when I'm on the road I I I do like to uh you know indulge a bit but I I I'm getting up there in years so I'm uh I'm going to bed earlier these days. I am I am I got to tell you I'm 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 I know I know uh you're bringing your girlfriend with you and everything but uh been a major dream of mine to have you and Brett on the road together. Because uh, you and Brett are probably perfect road buddies. Better, but me and Sam Sachs are yeah. probably perfect road buddies, and you and Brett are perfect road buddies. Because I am very much like I go to one bar, you know, I hang out after the show. I might go to the next bar, hang out for a couple hours, but I I want to be in the ho- in the hotel or, or or at the place and relaxing and decompressing. Like by one a.m. probably maybe two. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I I don't know if I'm like as into uppers as Brett, but like I'm definitely like and and Sam has been like sort of rolling his eyes because I've been talking about this so much, but I I really feel like I want to do uh, uh mushrooms from like when we're driving from North Carolina to Florida because like I think that's like the longest leg of our trip and i i can be like on hallucinogens in the like for the van ride you know and it'll be fun and uh so basically if any if, if you're coming to the show in north carolina uh bring mush oh don't worry about it. hey i i would not worry about uh you'll have mushrooms i i can uh i i i will is anyone them- gonna is anyone gonna do them with me in the van do you think or am i am i uh going on this mystical journey uh solo i am probably driving but brett Payne will do drugs at any time of any day i can almost i i'm fairly certain that there is not a time if if you were doing drugs brett's doing drugs that's just the way that dude is he's fun you just got to pick an off day because he won't do them on a show day you know right right well yeah i mean because that's another perfect thing about that day is we're not performing that night so you know like i could i wouldn't be like off my face on stage like babbling and you know (laughs) which would also have its charms (laughs) maybe it's a good way to go viral actually <laughs> well, hey, I guy you know, on mushrooms pisses self on stage, itself, well, etc. Ma- Matt Chrisman did go viral when he fell asleep on stage <laughs> with on on that show with me and Brett. So that is possible. Yeah, God, what a weird situation that would be to be tripping on stage. So before we go, I want to. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't do it, but I I will I make sure. Know. I mean, here's the thing about mushrooms is that we did have a bunch of them, but I had Brett make me tea with them and uh, they were old and they didn't work that well. Mm. Um, They somewhat worked, but uh, I do know for a fact that we have acid. If you're interested (laughs) in LSD, we have a ton of that. Um, 
Well, uh, I think we only have like 20 hits of acid. Just people always, when we did the West Coast tour, people were just like, hey, I brought you some acid. Like so <laughs> many different people brought us acid. It's like, I, had a fr- I had a friend who lived in San Francisco and he said like, they would just like dose each other for fun, like as pranks. They'd be out at like bars and be like, oh, bro, I just put acid in your beer. It's like, oh man. <laughs> like, it, it's crazy out there. They, there was a lot of hallucinogens out there. You know what? It's a great place to perform though, because people aren't all drunk after the show and hanging all over you and screaming in your face. Like in, in a lot of places, people get so drunk and they hang all over you and they're screaming at you and they're throwing up and they're passing <laughs> out shit out in front of the place. But uh, on the West coast, it's usually like, it was so chill. Everybody was just kind of getting high or tripping or, or, or doing something weird. I, I think the wildest thing, one of the, one of the craziest acid things was those LSD teens. They call in sometimes on the uh, call in show. Uh, they drove here from Champaign, Illinois on acid Damn. and watched Damn. us perform in Columbus on acid and then drove home. And uh, Damn. I, it's real warriors. I got to say, those are some real psycho, not warriors. Right there. It's just spiritual warriors. <laughs> I know. I can't imagine it. But we'll, we'll make sure it's fun. But here's the thing. Uh, uh, Will one time asked Brett uh, after a Chapo street fight show. Uh, why does everybody give you guys drugs and, and not us any? And I'm like, because like we always talk about drugs on our yeah, show. Brett, Brett does drugs and we make sure to mention drugs all the time. And if, if you say like, I like doing, I have like, I fucking right now in my kitchen, I have uh, two little containers of Molly that like <laughs> just are sitting there. I don't even know what to fucking do with them. I love that stuff though. I just tried it for the first time and it's the wonder. It's wonderful. I'm a, I'm afraid of <clears throat> I might like it too much, but uh, it is so good, Sam. <laughs> oh, I did it at, at a festival this year uh, that we were just kind of hanging out at, and Brett like had it with him, and he gave some to my wife, and my wife did it, and then I got jealous because my wife did it. You know what I mean? When, when oh like, yeah, you know it's like when you see somebody your your wife or your girlfriend is like, oh, my wife is like, oh, I'll do the Molly. And I'm like, well, I'll fuck, I'll do the Molly too, motherfucker. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So the here's the tour for you. The Washington DC show, yeah, DC show at the Big Hunt. We got two shows and it is July 28th and uh, they're going to sell out. I'm, I'm nearly positive both of them are going to sell out. And uh, the Sams have a uh, an incredible guest. That uh, I think we're surprising people, or do you want to announce it? You're allowed to do whatever you want. Um, I mean, I hadn't talked about it with Sam, but uh, I don't know. Maybe we should keep it a surprise. Keep it a surprise. Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Another show is, uh, and it is July. Bring mushrooms. Bring mushrooms. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. J- Chapel Hill, North Carolina, at the Nightlight on thir- on Tuesday, July thirtieth. Uh, that's another one. Brett wants me to let everybody know the tickets are, are sort of, they're going pretty fast. I, I would probably buy them as early as possible. Um, Jacksonville, Florida, rain dogs, uh, doors open at eight show at nine. And that is August 1st. And then Atlanta, Georgia at the drunk unicorn Saturday night, eight, August 3rd. Uh, I think there's a special guest on that show, but I can't say who it is. Yeah, that's the uh, 
That's the Trillbillies, uh, their guest too, right? I'm, I'm, I I'm think the Trillbillies guest is at the bakery <clears throat> on uh, on August fourth in Atlanta. The, the we're doing two in Atlanta. I think right, right, the right. Uh, the the other guest in it, there's a the Trillbillies have a guest in Atlanta, and me and Brett have somebody from the Goth Caucus of uh, the DSA oh, coming yeah. up on stage. She's very cool and very goth. <laughs> And then uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, at Dark Matter, the tickets are on sale. It's Monday, uh, August 5th. And uh, on top of just the badassness of it, the Trillbillies and District Sentinel Radio being there and at our first big tour together, uh, the Street Fight set will be a combo show. It will be a collaboration that has never happened before. And uh, I'm not going to announce who this is with, but it is Street Fight and another show that is currently I'm censoring the name, but it's worth it and you'll love it and it'll be very fun. And those are the tour dates. It's going to whip, dude. It's gonna I'm be excited. So, it's going to be so much fucking fun. The only, like, I don't know. I, uh, I feel like it, maybe I'm, I'm getting into something here that, that, I shouldn't get into because we're trying to wrap up here, but I don't know. I also kind of wish we were going to New Jersey. I feel like New Jersey is a very street fight state and you could like sell out. Like we could, we could, I don't know, go all up and down New Jersey. New Jersey is uh, the Ohio of, uh, of the mid Atlantic. I do feel guilty that we've done Philly in New York and not Jersey. And uh, I do know that I'm like looking into next May going back yeah. up northeast and doing that tour again so that would be i mean like a great thing to do would be to perform in jersey city as like your new york stop be like you know what i'm not i'm not even coming <laughs> to new york you got to come to jersey city and like that would i think that would really separate like the wheat from the chaff you know and like yeah the, i the, gotta, the, re the real good street fight fans would come out to jersey uh also probably to gamble and uh to to the show I need the chat to the show up train. to pay for the hotel room and stuff. Oh yeah, but no, but I I I agree with. I do want I want to do some shit in Jersey for real, and I there's there's a lot of cities I still want to do stuff in. Uh, you know, I think early next year. Uh, I mean, like uh, January, February, and probably not March. I think we're gonna do one-off types of things. Yeah. And like go to one place and and come home. I, I don't think we're gonna do any super touring until uh, we're doing Florida in um, April. Oh, hell yeah! And but uh, and then that rounds us all out. So and next I, year is the conventions and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I was so. gonna say I, I would love to do the uh, hit, hit the convention circuit this year. Yeah, we'll be there. We're we'll you're we will definitely be getting a hold of you guys to do this stuff again. I want I want to do more stuff with you guys. I I, I mean to be honest, this I I'm so excited because it feels like I'm going on the road like a rock band now. Hell like, yeah, dude! It's it's like <laughs> ten people in a van traveling the country doing their show, and uh, I I just I can't fucking believe it's happening. Like I I just think. You know, uh, Brett brought this up when Sam Sachs was on the phone because Brett doesn't remember anything, but I do remember sitting with you and, and, and Dank 
dank metal as we call him dan yeah and yeah, yeah. uh I, I just remember sitting there doing that podcast while you were house sitting and, yeah, and like my folks. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, we were just kind of all just hanging out. Uh, not, and, and like, uh, it wasn't really much. We didn't have a ton of listeners and it was just something we were doing for fun. And now we're all going out on tour together. And, uh, I, I'm so glad it happened with you guys. And, and, yeah, and uh, th thank you for coming on and doing this show with me. And uh, tell them where to find you, Sam. Go to, uh, uh, well, you can search the uh, iTunes, uh, uh, the podcast app on the iPhone for District Sentinel Radio. Uh, you can subscribe on our SoundCloud or, you know, if you got a few bucks, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. And, uh, you know, check it out. It's good. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's we do like, we do like, um, I mean, we do serious news. We try to make it a little bit fun and also joke about, you know, how awful things are. And um, it, it it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, if like NPR were more like good and left, I think. It's like, I hate to say it like that because like NPR is like nails on a chalkboard now. I keep uh, I, 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 the shock jock show I'm doing, the NPR is the model. Like I'm oh. sort of doing it as an NPR, but instead of using like jazz music and shit like that, yeah. I'm using heavy metal guitar <sighs> riffs and shit. Nice. So like it's basically like NPR mixed with sort street fight mixed with kind of what a shock jock radio thing would sound like, but it's more of a retrospective. It's a very fucking weird concept, but I am using the NPR model finally. <laughs> It, oh man, I can't believe I forgot to uh, like your shock jock thing has made me think about. And again, I'm tail end of this. I shouldn't bring this up. You don't. But, uh, you don't have to worry about time. Talk as long as you. I don't have anything I'm. I got going on. So no, true. It, it's good. But uh, you I mean, I was just me thinking now. about. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about how like I used to listen to like sports talk radio uh, when I was a kid, and uh, like. It, uh, obviously the shock jocks were totally different, but there is, uh, I don't know what it was, but I, I don't know what I'm saying here either. But basically, long story short, I remember after 9-11, I stopped listening to the sports talk radio because like one night, like one of the one of the DJs was just like, it, just go out there and enlist in the military right now. And I was just like, I, I hate this, dude. I fucking hate this. And so I, I, I just, I like, you know, sports talk 980 or whatever. I, I was like, I don't need to listen to these guys like yell about like, you know, the capitals. I can just look up the stats myself. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think there's a real thread because I think a lot of the sports guys did like were inspired by the shock guys. If that yeah. makes sense. Like I, I, I do think, I mean, Imus was a sports guy, right? Wasn't he was, yeah, I can't think kinda, of, I'm trying to Pharrell. I think Scott Pharrell is who I think would be the sports shock jock. And I, 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 you've probably never heard of him. He was, he was a real chud and, um, he talked real fast, but I, I do think, cause the, the reason I'm doing this shock jock show is because of how they've sort of influenced 
podcasting and it, like they were the influences more than a lot of classic radio for, yeah. for this stuff that exists. And I'm not even just talking about my show. I'm talking about like, you know, the LA comedy podcast, the New York, like all the podcasts owe something to that because like most of us got into talk radio in, in some way, whether it's sports or shock jocks, you know, and, and like none of us would be doing radio if it weren't, I, I don't think any of us would be doing radio if there weren't these like kind of magnetic people who were doing this thing that uh, seemed like a free flowing conversation that uh, would make you laugh and, and make you angry at times. And, and they all kind of did. They they all did that. And I think sports yeah. guys do. And uh, I, I also think that the, just the history of the shock jock is so crazy to me because they were the biggest star some of the biggest stars in the world for a period of time and i don't think anybody realizes that. yeah <laughs> i'm yeah. doing a shock jock rep retrospective in october and i'm doing a woodstock 99 retrospective next month so oh, God. <laughs> like an insane <laughs> person right now well yeah. uh pam thanks for doing this and and i can't wait to hang i can't wait to see you on uh i think friday right or saturday 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 i'm leaving here friday and then yeah. i'll be there saturday and i will well, see you then yeah good luck driving that thing through like uh eastern kentucky and shit like some of those some of those mountain roads are uh you know i'm great i'm a great driver sam you will see it'll be fun